You're tuning in to the Bookmatic's Best Book Podcast, where you will discover author secrets from books that'll make you feel, grow, and learn. These authors are from all over the world, all different backgrounds, and you are sure to learn a whole lot from their personal experiences. So please enjoy, subscribe, and let's get into it. Hi, Bookmatic Lifelong Learners. We are here today with Guy Albieri, the author of Tamed. Uh, The subtitle is Effective Self-Control Strategies to Tame Your Dark Horse and Keep You Focused, Motivated, and in Control. I just read this book a little while ago, and I absolutely loved it. I would compare it with The Laws of Human Nature. It's such an amazing book. Uh, really great strategies, full of value. It took me a while to read because it is that packed full of value. So today we are going to talk about this amazing book. We're going to talk about Guy a little bit and his background and, uh, you know, just introduce his book and you can discover whether this is a book that you would love to read and apply in your life. So thank you so much, Guy, for coming to the show. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Right on. Yeah. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your book and why you decided to write this book at this particular time in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been interested in achievement and what are the elements that will lead us to a better life, either professionally or personally. So in the beginning, I, uh, I'm originally from Brazil. I came to Hawaii to my master's degree, and I really focused on it. Like, okay, you know, I have this view of the world, but I realized that my view of the world doesn't really represent everything. I need to be creative. So I started going really down creativity. Then I realized that maybe it's not creativity. Maybe it is um, uh, wisdom. And I started studying wisdom. In fact, I wrote my PhD dissertation on wisdom. And, you know, just uh, knowing how to solve life's problems, et cetera, taking other people's perspective into consideration. Um, and, you know, you can be as creative as you want, but if you, if you, don't, if you don't apply that in, in a wise way, in a way that, that makes sense, then it has really no value. And then I realized that, okay, wisdom as well has its kind of, you know, it's an overarching concept, but if you don't implement the creative idea and the wise idea, it's of no good. So I decided to start studying self-control. And in fact, as part of my dissertation on uh, wisdom, I realized that wisdom and self-control were highly related to each other. There was a, a very strong correlation between the two. So I said, you know, I think that uh, the concepts that will give me more uh, return on my investment will be to study self-control and go deep into it. And I realized that there was a lot of things that had been written about self-control, but oftentimes what we find is that these uh, topics, they haven't been really summarized and put in one place in this one uh, guide, if you will, that will help you in how to increase your self-control 
and how how you implement self-control in your in your life and that's what i decided to do you know because i was reading all the literature to uh, write my dissertation i said why not just summarize it and, and and create a framework to discuss the the literature that's out there and make it available to the public so what i realized is that um you know i went back to a very old concepts that plato had shared with us thousands of years ago of um, the two horses and the charioteer. And I used that as a framework to talk about all the different aspects uh, or, or the different uh, research that had been done in self-control. So the, the concept of the dark horse that I talk about, and that's why it's tame, is because we have to tame our dark horse, right? Plato told us mm -hmm. that inside our minds, we have a dark horse, we have a bright horse, and these are winged horses, though, so they can fly. And they're pulling this chariot. And, and there is a charioteer in this chariot. And every time you try to drive your chariots towards a goal, towards something that you really want in life, all of a sudden, the dark horse pulls you down. The dark horse is that impulsive uh, side of yourself. You know, It's that... Uh, the part of you who wants immediate gratification. So you're going towards long-term goals, goals that will enhance your life um, uh, to a very high degree. And then all of a sudden you're trying to take off and navigate towards that goal and the, your dark horse keeps on pulling you down. So right, it, I love that concept. And of course, this is just a metaphor. We don't have a dark horse inside our minds, although I think we do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if this dark horse gives us so much trouble and it, it impacts our ability to achieve to such a high degree, what can we do about it? How can we control our, um, our dark horse? And another key element there as well is the charioteer, right? Because the charioteer is trying to control uh, yourself or, or is, trying, is trying to lead you to your goals, to the things that you want in life. But of course, there is always that dynamics between the bright horse and the dark horse. And the charioteer is what it represents in our uh, uh, cognition, our prefrontal cortex, the executive part of the brain. But oftentimes, the charioteer and the dark horse, they kind of start talking to each other and one, the dark horse starts to influence the charioteer. So I went deep into the research trying to understand, okay, what are the elements you know, that explain the dynamics of the dark horse of the charioteer, in this case, the prefrontal cortex, our ability to make executive decisions and what can we do about it? So that's how I organized, that's why I decided to, 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 to write the book to kind of um, organize this amazing, um, resources that already existed, but were spread all over the place. And it was quite a journey. You know, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it, it, it was something that it helped me. It helped me help others. Mm -hmm. And I also used to do, uh, as, um, I work in education, I work at a university, and I used to do these workshops for students sharing this concept for undergraduate students trying to get into the health professions. And, you know, it's very difficult to get into the health professions. They have to take high stakes exams. They have to have, I don't know how many hours of uh, shadowing. They have to have very high GPAs and all that requires self-control. So I did this um, workshop 
sharing some of these concepts and people would come to me afterwards and they would say, you know, I really needed to hear this uh, because they kind of felt the control that the dark horse had over them. I really needed to hear this. This workshop really helped me see um, my life in a different way. And, and then people say, oh, okay, you have to put it down on paper. And that's how the book came about. Hmm. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the uh, metaphor, like the dark horse, the bright horse, the charioteer. And uh, I mean, for me as a reader and an analyzer of your book, uh, this made complete sense to me. And I know you mentioned that, you know, this concept has been out there before uh, and you basically consolidated it. But you also, I believe, added your own, uh, your own, twists and interpretations of it as well, right? Yeah, one of the things that I try to do as much as possible is to embed myself into the book and into the stories and into the concepts that I teach. Uh, one thing that I would say is that a lot of what I, I teach, it's because I have read the research, but also I have used it myself. So in the book, throughout the book, you see that I, I tell a lot of personal examples of how I uh, uh, interacted with a particular uh, strategy or how I interpret a particular concept because it's very much part of my, my experience and that's what I wanted to, to share with the public is that listen, these things are out there there's a, this amazing body of research and I've been through it <laughs> and it, it works, in fact I would say that every single strategy that you have here I have used to write the book itself, you know, so it's almost this mm -hmm. uh, the, the more I, I learn about the strategies, the more I put into writing. I'm not a writer, you know, I, I'm sometimes I, I'm a Brazilian guy who came to the United States. I learned English later in life. So it took me a lot of efforts to get this done. And I got it done by learning the strategies and putting, uh, applying the strategies to the actual doing of the book. I'm also, I ha also have a full-time job, you know, so that, that's another challenge that, that I had is that I didn't have really time to study or to, to write. I had to find time. I had to, to apply some of the strategies that I create, that I share here. For example, trying to find uh, alone time uh, or a time where there are no distractions. And sometimes these are just 20 minutes uh, of your time. And that's why I'm here in my office right now at 7.30 in the morning because that's the time that I'm most productive. I really realized, you know, from 7.30 until nine o'clock, there are not many people around the office. That's the time that I can focus, that I can write with no um, uh, interruptions. So that, that, again, is just how I started changing my life to create the book and apply uh, uh, the strategies that I, I've been studying and, and learning about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that completely comes across in your book is like you are, you're written in the book. I mean, yeah, you are writing the book, but I've read other books before where the, the author is not really in the book. You, you're definitely in the book and that comes across. Uh, and I appreciate that aspect. And I know a lot of other people do because when you write yourself into the book, you can connect, the reader can connect with the author as well and kind of have a, a conversation, a dialogue with the author. And uh, yeah, what, one other aspect that I really like is you're actually including uh, the strategies you've practically used, you've used personally. Right. Uh, 
how many strategies are there? If I mean, I know it's like oh, what, there forty, <laughs> something so like that. Like, yeah, thirty something. Yeah, yeah I, I probably yeah, third. I don't know. There are many. Thirty-seven. Yeah. Yep. And I, yeah. I wanted to really put all of them out there, you know, because I also that's one of the, the ways that I wanted people to use the book. It's not a book that you necessarily have to read from cover to cover. But once in a while, you can just open one strategy and say, OK, let me see what can I learn here and how can I apply this strategy for the next week or so and see how that strategy impacts your life. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that, that that was, you know, that's why I really wanted to um, give the, the reader a number of different options um, in terms of how what these strategies are and how they can apply it mm-hmm. yeah it's so very practical and uh you explain it so well so definitely uh it's i'm so happy that i was able to get a chance to read about it and and share it with everyone uh so can you uh explain a little bit more or how or maybe compare your book to uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, how does it compare the system one and system two in that book to the system that you are using? Yeah, so system one, most of the time, I think it would represent the, the dark horse, right? It's the impulsive self, it's the fast responding system. And system two is the slow type of thinking, is the this, the system that works through deliberation, rational thinking, it, it kind of slows down. It, it's, the activity of system two is more in the prefrontal cortex. So the way that I would see it is that system one is more related to your dark horse and system two is the charioteer. I think that uh, one part that is uh, missing there in Canada's kind of book uh, work is is the bright horse in my in my work but i also don't talk too much about the bright horse maybe we should think about you know a book later on about the bright horse but i focus more on the dark horse because i think it's the the horse that gives us mo- most trouble in our lives <laughs> come from there mm, even though a, 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 a bright horse that is not a healthy one you know if you don't have um, a courage if you don't have uh, a good foundation in terms of values etc it, it can be problematic as well right but i think that most of the time at least for the people that i deal with i think their dark horses what gets them most in, in trouble um so in in a sense there is a a major parallel between systems one and the dark horse and system two and the charioteer mm-hmm. true yeah yeah, and then and then you also mentioned this uh, like this overseeing everything system, which is actually yourself. So maybe you can clarify what does it exactly mean? This overseeing that like this self that oversees the dark horse, the bright horse, and the charioteer. Yeah. So the way I imagine it is that okay, we we have we are going towards this goal, right? We're going towards the goal. And it could be, for example, writing this book. So I want to write this book. I have the dark horse telling me, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You're too busy. You don't have the time. Uh, or go watch a Netflix uh, a movie or documentary. So the dark horse is pulling me down. Uh, the, the charioteer is kind of engaging with the dark horse 
and then the uh, and say no you know we can't do it this is something i want this is a goal that i think it's important it's going to help my students it's going to help other people Let, let's get this done this is what you need to do uh, open your computer right so you have this dynamic between the dark horse and the chariots here but we have to remember that we are not them they are inside of us they kind of speak they have loud voices but we always have to kind of take a step back and look uh, we tend to think that we are the charioteer, that we are the decision making, the decision uh, maker, uh, that the, 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 the needs of the dark horse are, are real, that this is us. Oh, I need this. I need to drink a cup of coffee right now. Oh, I need to t take a rest or I need to watch a, a Netflix uh, show because I'm just too tired. Right. So take a step back. And look how these voices are playing in your mind, what your dark horse is telling you to do, what your charioteer is telling you to do. And remember that you are not necessarily them. So <laughs> they are pieces of you. But usually I, I encourage my students to take a step back, see what the, the, the talk in, the head, in your head is, and then analyze it from the perspective that, you know, of you as an achiever once in life. So if I want to write a book, the dark horse has his own talk. My charioteer has another uh, converse, is having these conversations. Uh, um, and I take myself out and say, okay, what is happening here? Because I find oftentimes that the charioteer and the dark horse, they kind of, um, the, the, the dark horse is a very smooth talker, you know, and he convinces the charioteer. He says, you know, oh, I'm tired. I need to, I need to rest, right? I don't want to write. And the charioteer would say, you were right about that. You're really tired. So why don't you just go and take a rest? And then I take myself out of the equation. It's like, no, no, guys, stop. Let's <laughs> keep, keep with the program here. You know, I think at, at the end, I know it's, a, it's an exercise of self-reflection. We have feelings, we have emotions, we have thoughts. And you have to realize that those feelings, emotions, thoughts, etc., they're not necessarily facts. They exist. They are there. But you have to talk back to them. You have to challenge them. You have to see where they're coming from and analyze it from a critical view. And, and that's what I mean by taking this step back and observing the interactions within your mind. You know, who, who is mm -hmm. calling the shots here, right? Mm -hmm. Does that does that yeah. make sense, or do you, do you want me to explain it in a different yeah. way? Or yeah, I mean, it makes sense. To me, I mean, partly because I read your whole book uh, for the people listening. Hopefully it makes sense. But, you know, uh, th this book is pretty vast, I would have to say. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, the longest book I have ever read. But, I mean, it's over 300 pages. So you've got a lot of information in there. So people listening right now, if, if this is like a really interesting topic to you, then get the book. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Get the book because uh, and I, I mean, also such an interesting topic. Yeah, and I also wanted to say that, for example, when you get to the second part of the book where you have the strategies, you can consume one strategy at a time. You know, you don't need to to read everything uh, from cover to cover, but you can uh, again go back to one strategy. Or, uh, let me try this one out and see how how it pertains to me. And that's another important point is that a lot of the strategies here, it, it doesn't um, solve all the problems all times for all people. So there are certain strategies that work better in certain times uh, during certain uh, circumstances that you're going through. Um, so you can, you know, 
use this as a manual, carry with you, say, okay, what am I going to try today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that point because, you know, especially as, as an avid reader myself, uh, taking in so much information all at once is actually not uh, the best way to go about, you know, learning right. something and implementing something. So, uh, I mean, this is the type of book that I will come back to and, you know, uh, review my notes and take a look. Like uh, Guy said, you can apply one strategy at a time. And then later, you know, you can pick the book off your shelf and try another uh, right. for, you know, different situations. And if you're really good at taking notes or keep your notes in electronic form, you may not even need the book in, in your hands. You could just pull out your notes and, you know, check out the different strategies in the book. And that's what yeah, I do. It, yeah, and that's a great point because one of the things that I do talk about the, the book, and this is also very true in, in the world of uh, self-control, you know, there's a lot of criticism about uh, willpower and that how willpower has its limitations, etc. But one of the things that you try to do is you try to download some of these um, uh, strategies or habits into your basal ganglia that controls your um, your habits, right? So after a while, there are certain strategies that you start using, and then they become automatic. You don't have to think about them anymore, you know? So for example, um, coming to the office very early so that I can have a long time, time with no distractions, uh, where I can, I, I use this strategy that I, I, I love. It's one of the first ones in the book and that I'm most excited about. It's called This or Nothing. So you decide you're going to do one thing for 20 minutes and you say, I'm going to do that one thing and nothing else. And the minute you tell yourself you're going to do nothing else, your dark horse is going to start. To, oh, no, no, no. Go check your email. Go, go browse the internet. Go see what are the headlines of the day. And you tell yourself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I don't know, write a, a chapter of the book, let's say, or a letter. Uh, I'm going to write this letter or absolutely nothing at all. And you know, in the beginning, it's a little hard, but three days after doing that, it, it becomes automatic. And then it's, it becomes part of you. And you don't need to go back to the book anymore for that particular, you know, to remember that because it becomes you. It becomes who you are after a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember reading that part and I could tell you were very enthusiastic about it, the way that you wrote about it. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so this or nothing, right? That's what the strategy is called. Yeah, and that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think it would work out very well because, well, if you're going to go out and do something, you're only are allowed to do that, correct? But if you start slacking, then you are not allowed to do anything else, right? Exactly. You just have to sit there, like with your you hands beneath your butt or something to, like, right control yourself from like trying to pick out your phone or trying to open up your email. You're only allowed to do that one activity. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's yeah so I tell my students, for example, if, uh, they have to study organic chemistry. I mean, there are not many people who like to study organic chemistry, right? I even joke with them. Oh, raise your hand. How many of you like to study organic chemistry? And then if they do raise your hands, because indicating that they do like it, so okay, let's have a talk afterwards, you know, because no one likes it or very few like it. But then I tell them, you know, open the book 
But the moment you open the book, your dark horse is going to start saying, you know, whose birthday is today? Oh, go clean your room. You haven't cleaned your room in three months. The day that you have to open your organic chemistry book uh -huh. to study for the test, you're like, oh, maybe all of a sudden cleaning your room becomes a very good idea. No, you just look at the book. If you don't feel like it, just keep, you know, just stay there stay there for 30 seconds after 30 seconds it becomes really really awkward and immediately people are like okay you know you almost it's, it's a psychological game you kind of quiet the voice of the the dark horse down and you're like all right you know i don't have an option it's giving the dark horse no option to hmm. escape and you say okay you know i'll have to do it there will be no way out and then all of a sudden hmm. there you are reading that first chapter in organic chemistry yeah yeah it's an awesome strategy, along with all of the other ones that you have written, for sure. <laughs> so um, now I tell you, you know, in the beginning. Yeah, go ahead. In the beginning, I used to come uh, in the beginning. I, I, I said I was trying to get work done. And immediately I would go to the Internet, start looking at uh, the headlines. When I started using this, this uh, strategies, I don't even look at what's happening anymore on, on the internet or or you know my favorite news outlet i just go straight to what i have to do again it's downloaded it becomes part of of the system mm -hmm. yeah yeah systems are the best way to build up your habits and then yeah they come become automatic so uh can you uh Tell us about the EAT system that you uh, wrote in your book, the EAT system. I, I thought this was creative and easy to remember as well. So uh, yeah, it's a very good addition to your book. And I think earlier you said it's in the second part of the book, right? It's in the second part. That's when I started introducing these strategies. So in the first part, I, right. I talk a, a little bit about the science of self-control, why it's important, why we need to care about it, particularly in the you know, in the society that we live with so many distractions uh, and sugar for the dark horse, if you will. And then the E is, is the way that I used to structure the different strategies for self-control. So the first, so E is an acronym for the environment, the way you act and the way you think. Right. So the environment, we are, human beings are highly performing they control them um yep you you froze for a little while yeah yeah it's did, okay did you now. hear what i said about the yeah the, you can start uh, over i can okay, edit okay. this part. so the okay so the eat is um uh the, the e is for the environment uh a is for the way you act and t is for the way you think so I think that there are a number of different strategies in each of these categories that you can consider that will enhance your, your self-control. So the environment, we are creatures that are highly influenced by our environment. Mm -hmm. And I learned this with a prosecutor in Hawaii. She talked about a lot about, she taught me about uh, behavioral control by environmental design. So the fact that if you go into a classroom and the classroom is super clean, you're not going to just open a 
the wrapper on a candy and throw it on the ground. On the other hand, if you go to a, a classroom that there's litter all over the place, you're much more likely to litter in that type of environment. So the environment has this amazing control over us. And it's, it's very important that we understand what are the cues from the environment, how the environment is uh, impacting the way we behave. And then we have a couple of options as far as environmental control is concerned. You can adapt to the environment that you're in, you can change the environment that you're in, or you can remove yourself from the environment that, that you're in, right? And I give a lot of uh, strategies just to kind of how to adapt to the environment that you're in. So in, in the eat portion, I talk about, you know, the alone time, creating just time between you and your goals uh, with no distraction, the this or nothing uh, strategies. How I love airplanes and, and, and uh, the train rides, you know, you take the Amtrak here in New York, the, the, the Wi-Fi connection is absolutely horrendous. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I love it because you have no other option. You have to stick to whatever yeah. it is that you're doing, particularly if you're a reader or if you like to write, etc. It's two hours that you have no other option. Right. Yes. So that's the yes. environment. I love it too, man. <laughs> yeah. Then there is the A for the way you act, right? And um, I learned a little bit about that from a friend of mine, and it, he's a serial entrepreneur. And once I was interviewing him for for the book, so we were jogging in Manhattan, and 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 I was super curious to know what his secret sauce was because this is a machine in getting and running businesses uh, we worked together in our when I was a master's student we, we run we ran this organization called students in free enterprise and I mean the amount of uh, things that he was able to accomplish was just incredible so I asked him uh, what is you know what, what, what's your secret and he said I don't have a secret I just do it <laughs> I just do it. I stopped thinking about it. So I was like, oh my God, that's so true, right? Oftentimes we're just so much engaged in this, this thinking process about things and, oh, I don't feel like doing it. Oh, but if I do this, uh, it's going to, uh, what are the, going to be the consequences? I, 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 just, I just get it done. So I did, dedicated a whole um, uh, portion of, my, my, uh, of the book on the acting part of it, right? How do you structure your actions in a way that will enhance your ability to, to get results? So one of the things that I, I talk about is a scrum. How do you organize your, the tasks that you have during your day uh, and how you organize them in, in uh, a backlog, things that you have to do, but you haven't done yet in progress and done. And done means you have to mm -hmm. define what done means. So if I want to write a chapter, what does done mean? Done means I have written the chapter. I have worked on all the references. I have edited the chapter. I have read it five times to make sure that it has flow. So this is done. Done. It, it, you have to have yeah. a very high, good definition of what done is. Um, and you have to stick to it. So that's one of the strategies that I, I, I teach there. I also talk about systems, right? The way that uh, how systems are much better than, than goals and systems are things that you do consistently, day in and day out. Because goals, you may have a goal, 
I'm going to write um, a, a, a blog post. That is just a go. After you have written that blog post, what's next? You know, you have right. achieved the goal. Now you have to start rethinking about your next goal. When you have a system, the system is that every day at 7.30 in the morning, I'm going to be in this chair here writing a blog post for 20 minutes. Even if I don't feel like it, remember in this journey here, there's feeling we have to <laughs> be careful with it. Uh, if you don't feel like it, this or nothing, you're just going to sit and you're going to write. So that is having a system. And I absolutely adore, uh, I talk about systems here. I think I probably should talk a little bit more than I did um, about mm -hmm. how to create systems that generate results. So that's on the, acting part there are other strategies as well but then you also have the thinking part and the thinking part i think it's a very crucial one because the the because we we are thinking beings you know and our in our thoughts control our actions to a very large degree and we have an assortment of, of thoughts that oftentimes derail us and the, the dark horse itself it is a a part of our thinking so how do you control that thinking? How do you listen to the thinking, knowing that that thinking is not necessarily you, you, it's different parts of you is speaking to you. And how do you talk back to that thinking, right? So I have uh, some strategies. There are some that are, are, are uh, my favorites. Um, when th there is one concept that I share is that uh, think of your mind like a Thanksgiving uh, dinner, right? You have all these different characters around the table. So you have the nurturing mother, you have the strict father, you have that uncle that comes to the Thanksgiving dinner and maybe drinks too much and becomes uh, obnoxious, right? We all have these characters within our, our minds. So oftentimes we do have the nurturing part of you. You have the strict part of you that's always being demanding on you. Um, sometimes you have that, that part of you that's always putting you down. And these are all different actors within our minds. And we have to oftentimes listen, okay, who has the loudest voice here right now? And why am I allowing this person to have the loud, loudest voice? Where is the voice of the, of the encouraging mat? You know, the mat that is supportive, the mat that would, uh, uh, you know, if you had a friend, I know you're writing a book, I, I read in one of your uh, blog posts, Mm -hmm. um, right. Sometimes you put yourself down, but where is the encouraging match that had that idea of creating the, the, the project of the book? Why am I not bringing that man up? And why am I listening just to that voice, that negative voice saying, Oh, forget about mm -hmm. this. It's no good. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. in the thinking part. I, and I think it's a crucial part for uh, uh, self-control. Another strategy that I love here is re reappraisal. And I use reappraisal all the time. And reappraisal is really identifying a thought and then thinking to yourself, okay, what's, why do I believe in this thought? What, what is it true about this thought? And how can I reappraise it so that it helps me achieve what I want? So oftentimes my students are like, oh, uh, organic chemistry is hard. Organic chemistry is impossible. Organic chemistry is boring. Organic chemistry is this, that, and the other thing. All right, let's re frame all that uh, instead of organic chemistry is a pain organic chemistry is the key to my future all of a sudden when you start thinking like that you're f 
phys your physiology changes, you know, the, your, your attitudes mm -hmm. towards the subject completely changes. Oh, I, I'm horrible in organic chemistry. I haven't studied enough organic chemistry. If I apply myself, I can do it. You know, it just changes the way your body perceives the subject right in front of you. So uh, again, that's the thinking part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a fixed and growth mindset kind of, right? Would you say yep. that reframing your, your mind? Yes, yeah, exactly. And it's really trying to understand every single thought that you have that is impacting your ability to achieve the particular goal and then thinking it in a, in a different way. Uh, oftentimes I use it with, particularly there was a time that I loved to follow uh, UFC and I would spend hours on a Sunday morning rewatching the cards that happens Friday, uh, Saturday night. And you're like, oh, I just love this. I really, you know, uh, this gets me excited, energized. Reframe it. You know, this is a, a waste of my time. They are all getting rich by fighting. I'm wasting my time here <laughs> watching this guy's fight. Right. It's right. not benefiting me in any way. So, you know, <laughs> switch that thought. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you wrote that part in the book, I was reading it and I'm like, it, I thought for a long time that I was the only one that didn't really watch sports. Like, but then I read that. I'm like, okay, good, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Cause yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't really watch sports because I feel like, well, if, if I want to do sports, I'll, I'll go out and do it myself. If not, I'm not going to watch a sport just to watch guys get sweaty and stuff like that guys and women get sweaty doing their sport. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I might as well go do something else more productive. Uh, more productive, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know that there's people out there that don't like sports. So they might read that and they're like, oh, what is, what is he talking about? Like, uh, of course I want to watch my favorite team. My home oh, and you should. Play. Yeah, I mean, for, for yeah, me you know, personally. What, what, yeah, one of the things that I, I do talk about in the book as well, um, I don't know if it came uh, very clear, but one of the things that I, I know that people that sometimes go to my uh, seminars and, and workshops and all that, they do ask me, oh, but, you know, isn't resting important? Of course it is important. And I even talk about it, the importance of resting because, you know, you can't be constantly on the go, constantly trying to be productive. In fact, if you want to be productive, you have to take breaks. You have to, to relax. You have to um, put your mind, you know, at rest. And sports is a great way of doing it. Uh, but, and, and I am by no means trying to create a culture here that we are just working and trying to be protect, productive all the time. Uh, I'm not trying to remove fun from living, just the opposite. Uh, but you do have to try to kind of analyze if it's whatever behavior you have or whatever habit you have, if it's getting on the way of you getting the larger things in life that you want. And I realized that, for example, the Uf, UFC thing um, on Sunday mornings was eating two, three hours of my day when I could be putting into this, you know, that would be much yeah. more productive. Now, do I still love some, uh, now uh, with the pandemic, no one's doing anything, but uh, mm -hmm. 
would I do I still like to go to perhaps a bar and watch a fight with my friends? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're not trying to you know remove all fun from the world. We just say okay. <clears throat> at, at certain points, is it impacting my ability to to achieve? And if you watch, let's say on, on a scheduled time, that you know this is your time between you and your uh, the sport, your favorite sport, and that's completely fine. I have uh, you know, but yeah. if, if that is all consuming and that's impacting from achieve other larger goals in life, that's when maybe you know we just need to reanalyze things. Yeah, it's like part of your. What are your priorities in life? Exactly. Right? Yep. And if yep. the sports and stuff are getting in the way of your, let's say, financial uh, priority, then, yeah, you have to look, take a step back and see which one can you cut out? What exactly. can you cut out? How long can you cut out? Right. All of those Absolutely. things. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. So if there was only uh, one thing that people could take away from your book. I mean, there's tons and tons, like we were saying earlier, there's like 38 different strategies or some odd. Uh, what, what is that one thing that you think people should take away from your book? I think it's that we all have this triad inside of us. We have a dark horse, we have a bright horse, and we have a charioteer. Mm -hmm. We're constantly trying to achieve our goals. And oftentimes, um, this, the dynamics between this triad is impeding us from achieving our goals. So we have to be critical about it. We have to be reflective about it. And there are strategies that we can apply that are tested and are true, that has, have been uh, tested by science, that can help us um, kind of tame your dark horse. I, I see the dark horse also as, as energy. So you don't want to eliminate it. You just want to tame it you want to for work for it to work towards your betterment your achievement so how do you channel that energy towards uh, better means for your life and again i am not uh, this person who is always trying to say we all have to be productive it could be if you want to be a yogi if you just want to meditate or if you want to have more balance in your life that is in itself a a uh go worth pursuing but you have this day and the dark horse will will play its game even in goals like that you know uh, and you have to understand it and you have to as much as possible try to tame it all right yeah that's a fantastic fantastic takeaway uh, I, i forgot whether you mentioned in your book uh habit stacking or not because i know that that's one of the the big takeaways I got from uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, and I picture that as a great way to like channel your energy, as you were saying, your dark horse energy, because yeah, your dark horse has a lot of energy and oftentimes it overpowers, overpowers you and you fall into the whims of the dark horse, right? Uh, have you ever heard of that strategy before? The Temptation bundling, habit stacking. Oh, it's, it's stacking habits. Yeah, stacking habits. I have not. Tell me more about it. Okay, yeah. So that was in the James Clear's books, Atomic Habits. And uh, the temptation bundling is when you, uh, let's say you do want to watch your favorite Netflix series. 
you want to go watch mm-hmm. Stranger Things or whatever it may be. And uh, but before you do that, you know that you have some sort of task that you have to complete. So you use that uh, that mm-hmm. thing that you want to do as motivation to get your the thing that you need to get done done. That way you can go do your fun thing. You know. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Habit. Uh, what is it? Temptation. Yeah, no, that's a great concept. Yeah. 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 It's a definitely a good one. So anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like that ties in pretty well with your it's book. It's getting I think. choppy now. I don't know. Oh, sorry. What? No, it was getting choppy. Um, oh, okay. The internet connection was a little poor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Guy, why should people buy your book? I think that if people want to accomplish more, bring a little bit more order to to their uh, achievements, and you know, to if they want to bridge that gap between knowing and doing the things that you want in life and the, the things that you're doing to accomplish it, I think that that's another area that I, I've been very focused on. You know, that I've always been kind of uh, fascinated by how, how do we have all these things in our minds? And I think I, I speak right in the beginning of the book, right? How I had this idea when I was a kid that I wanted to uh, create this cockpit, airplane cockpit inside my house. And I had the idea, I had the tools that never did anything about it. Um, I had this idea of creating this little farm. My, my father gave me a little piece of land uh, uh, in, a, in, in a farm that we had in Brazil. And I said, okay, I'm going to have my own little farm. I'm going to raise my animal, uh, some animals there. It said, never did anything about it. Uh, and that has always kind of st- stuck with me. And I decided I would never live my life again like that. It's that when I put myself, my mind into something, I would get it done. And I, so I think that the book is for individuals like that who mm-hmm. wants to bridge that knowing and doing gap the things that they care about, the things that they are passionate about, they will go after and they will, they will conquer it. True. True. That is so inspiring. I love that part of the book as well. Uh, I could have just imagined a little gee sitting there, like imagining about the cockpit <laughs> in his room. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah. then it just never came true because yeah. So yeah, that's very, very inspiring. Sure. And it feels like an open ticket in my mind, you know, something in that box that it has never been checked. And then I decided, you know, I, I'm not going to live my life like that. I'm going to, if I open a box, uh, uh, an item that I want to accomplish, I will, I will check the box. Mm-hmm. Even if it takes years, it took me years to create this, but I'll right. check the box. Right. I'll yeah. Checking the box. I, I love that takeaway as well. So do you still have the dream to have a cockpit in your room? Well, maybe now with my son, I'll try to <laughs> do something. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else that um, you would like to add that maybe we didn't? No, I just wanted, I really wanted to thank you and the amazing work that you do. 
I, I follow you on Instagram. I follow you on LinkedIn and I, I am very much inspired by, by, by the work that you do. And, you know, I think that growing up, this wasn't an option, right? Uh, but now that I see the things that you're doing, I'm like, my goodness, I would love to have this job, you know, to read books and talk about it, uh, talk to the authors. This sounds like a, an amazing, an amazing thing that, that you're doing. And so congratulations. I hope you keep on doing it. Yeah, man, it is absolutely amazing. And, you know, before we had, uh, you know, YouTube available and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and all that stuff, it, I mean, it wasn't really possible. So, yeah, we've, we've got so many great opportunities available to us now with all these different technologies available and Zoom, like this wouldn't be possible, uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible without it. So yeah, I'm definitely grateful and I'm happy that uh, I was able to read your book and share about it with the audience. And I really do hope that they pick it up and experience the same things I experienced or something similar I experienced while reading your book. So yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if they want to get in contact with me, they can get in contact with me uh, on Instagram at darkhorse underscore tamed or at gi at darkhorsetamed.com. That's my email. Gi at darkhorsetamed. is at dark underscore horse underscore tamed. Great. Yeah, I will definitely include that information in the description. So for those of you who uh, want to follow Guy on social media, on Instagram, uh, or send him an email about his book or anything else that you might have a question about, feel free and reach out to him. And uh, Guy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Matt. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode and stay tuned for the next one and get a copy of Tamed as well. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Yeah.